I'm Ashley Aiken. And I'm Chris Cerna. The wedding industry has unintentionally perpetuated a culture of chasing perfection at the cost of your relationships and mental peace. We know this because we've spent a combined 16 years photographing weddings. Together, we dive into the silent struggles of the modern engaged couple, like you. Our goal is to empower you to pop that perfection bubble, embark on the journey of self-awareness, forge your own wedding planning path, and and ultimately ultimately cultivate cultivate a healthy healthy and and thriving marriage. marriage. What is up, everyone? Episode four going down today. How are you, Ashley? I am good. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing great. It's sometimes I wish we had the microphone going before we started recording because we just talk about so many different things. Like we started talking about race today and we talked a little bit about religion. We talked, we're just all over politics, like lots of, lots of stuff. It was good though today. I feel awake very awake now i'm like on my second cup of coffee yeah. it's the perfect time to start chit chatting i kind of feel like we need it because we we record earlier in the morning and so it kind of helps us wake our brains up and i think get us primed and ready to record so i can't imagine I agree. just diving right in like when we first wake up it it takes a minute to get no me either i'm always like i am tired i was up late working <laughs> i know i know i get that i feel that we're night owls we stay up like way too late and we're always like, oh, we're like, we have this goal of being people who are asleep by 10. And I don't know that it's ever going to happen. No, it also makes me feel really lame. And like my parents, when I was growing up and they're like, your bedtime is nine o'clock and they're in bed sleeping still currently they're in bed by 10 30. And I'm like, I don't know how you do this. This makes me feel old. There's so much night left. I know. I know. And it's just like, I just come alive at night. I'm the most productive at night. It's so weird. Same. But have you challenged yourself to get up at like five o'clock in the morning and just like start working? It's honestly, it's so great. There's no distractions. Nobody's up on social media yet. There's like kids too. Yes. You have time before them. Like one of my favorites is when I get in this mode and it never really lasts longer than two weeks because I burn out because I'm tired. But I like was waking up at like 5.30, going to the gym and coming back and showering. Like I had this thing or I would like shower and then I'd like trim my beard and do all this stuff and just had this little ritual. And then I'd read for a little bit and then I'd have breakfast and the kids were up and it's like, all right, I've already had my me time today. I can just get right to it. But, and then I end up like being super tired at two and needing a nap. Yeah. That's where like that two o'clock crash comes that I yeah. feel like people that work nine to fives have. And it's like, oh, I oh my gosh, that just reminds me. There is this Instagram gal. Her name, I actually don't know her name. <laughs> her just Instagram, someone on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, her Instagram handle is the Rambling Redhead. I cannot freaking think of her name. I don't know what her name is. She's the Rambling Redhead. Right she is. A, the funniest human I've ever met. If you're not following her already, you need to go follow her. You like follow along on her messy life. She's got a couple of kids. She lives in Texas. She like recommends things on Amazon, but she'll also just like show you her absolute disaster of a house, like real life mom stuff. Oh man. But the reason this makes me think of it is because recently she posted these energy bars. I can't, I, oh my gosh. They're just like some granola energy cocaine bar that it's just energy you- with like green tea 
So she's oh, like, if okay. people, the ravings on these things are massive. And the, the flavor was cookie butter. And I was like, I'm so into whatever this energy bar cookie is that's butter. cookie butter flavored. That sounds and really good. It doesn't it? So there's no like jittery after effects. So a lot of people in the reviews were like, I do this for like my two o'clock crash. And it wakes me straight up and there's no jitters, no crashing because it's green tea. It's natural caffeine. And I am just like, that just made me think. I really want to pick up some of these bars, but the rambling redhead, she's freaking hilarious. She, I, I just, I want to be her. I want to be her. The rambling redhead. I just followed her. So I'm excited to dive in. I have to, okay. So you <laughs> shared someone, I have to share someone to, to follow. Uh, they're okay. hilarious. His name is Caleb Francis and he is very inappropriate, uh, but he's super funny. My and favorite. He, like, he makes these like little skits of just funny, funny things. Like he has this little series that he does called Questions for God. And he acts as all the characters in his skits. So he'll be like facing one way, he's wearing a hat, and then he plays the other character that he's talking to. And he'll like turn his hat backwards so he's like someone else. Mm-hmm. Well, he has this thing to where he does like Questions for God and like one of them, he's like, why Why do we only get one set of teeth? Like, why? <laughs> like sharks. Not what I was expecting. Sharks get 12 pairs of teeth in their whole lifetimes and we get two sets we get one and then we lose them early and then we have one set that we have to keep good for 50 years like why and he's like god's like i'm gonna be honest you guys were not supposed to be living this long (laughs) and so he's just hilarious he has all of these random things that he talks about and so very inappropriate things as well my favorite is when he plays a girl character he'll put a sock on his head and lay it down like it's the hair or like a little towel gosh it's so funny caleb francis Who you have to follow him human? i am i found him i definitely would never have clicked on this man's page yeah he um, is so funny his his little profile photo just looks like somebody i went to high school with you right. know like it's nothing like fancy like influencer but look at how many he's got a lot of followers yeah one hundred forty-six thousand. yeah he's he? he's funny man he i would love to see him do comedy stuff so i mean he's an influencer that's what his his job is like he does brand deals and stuff Ooh, okay. The rambling redhead. Yeah. Her name is Jennifer, guys. Jennifer. Jennifer. I, I want to say people might call her Jen. And she, her bio says, not your typical quote unquote Instagrammer with a little nerd emoji. Oh my God. She's so funny. Her and her husband will do like, let's see, where is it? If you scroll through her highlights, Chris, I'm telling you this because these are the ones that you have to watch. If you scroll through your highlights, it is testing oh god which one is it her and her husband like many holy crap they test things and it is so funny jen and mike uh i'm gonna have to figure out which one it is i'm upset okay they'll like test as you've seen on tv things or like oh yeah um, yeah. like eyebrow waxing kit from amazon and like she'll wax his eyebrows and like you guys it is so funny i can't even a gift guide what okay this is gonna be a great okay you got you guys gotta follow the rambling redhead and caleb francis you're welcome caleb francis we'll we'll build them and invoice them for their endorsements (laughs) (laughs) okay so even though like that actually wasn't the planned like little thing we (laughs) we had to talk that was just completely random rabbit holes that we're going down but today's topic that we're going to be talking about uh is a little heavier a little deeper but before we dive into it i wanted to talk about something a little more lightheaded we are going to be talking about like looking in the past and and at our families and stuff like that and this topic of the family of origin but i wanted to ask you a question 
Ashley, and I think we can both answer this, but what were you like during high school? Like, what was I like during high school? What were you school? like during high school? And this is, I think, an interesting topic because we're going to be looking into the past and it's just a little bit lighter hearted, but what were you like? Definitely. Um, that wasn't, I don't, I don't know what, I didn't know what Chris was going to ask me. I just knew that he was like, this is going to be lighthearted. We'll start. I was like, cool. High school, Ashley. Yeah. What was high school, um, Ashley like? At high school, Ashley was friends with everybody. Kind of like I was acquaintances with everybody. I okay. was acquaintances. with everyone. I would, Okay. Yeah. I would say people knew like everybody, at least like in my grade knew me. But I was kind of like a floater and a drifter. Like I didn't have one friend group. I was a little boy crazy. So I always had a boyfriend. And okay. so that kept me out of all extracurricular activities. My parents were pissed. <laughs> but I was just all too encompassed So you were boys. one of those. You didn't do any, any extracurriculars. No, I didn't. I did cheerleading my freshman year of high school. And then... I stopped because I had this really bad boyfriend at the time, my freshman year, and nobody really knows who he is. Um, so he was my boyfriend and he was a very, um, you know, he just wasn't the, he shouldn't wasn't have been the pick guy. of the litter. No, uh, no. So I didn't do cheerleading anymore because I just thought that was a good idea because I could hang out with him or it was dumb. And yeah, so I was friends with everybody. I was the kind of person that I always found myself like, when people were bullying people, this is kind of still me, but yeah. when people were bullying this kid in particular in my science class. You were the person that was standing he was, up. He was kind of smelly. Oh no, not the smelly guy. He was, he was kind of smelly. And I always said, and this kind of happened in middle school too, there was this smelly girl. And I always just like rebutted with people. I was just like, well, you don't know what their family life is like at home. Like you don't know if... That they can afford to shower that often. Like, I just, I don't know. I always came up with these, like, excuses for these people and tried to, like, stand up for them and make sure that they felt like somebody was there for them and not everybody, I don't know. It's weird, actually, that you say that because I was thinking about this in the shower yesterday, you know, shower thoughts. Shower thoughts. And there was this one, I'm contemplating messaging this girl. And when I was is my freshman year, you know, highly impressionable. Uh-huh. And my friends were making fun of her, oh, like bullying no. her so hard in the gym class. And although I didn't also make fun of her, they were like, they were making fun of her name. And her name was Amanda. And this super sweet girl, like genuinely super sweet, but they were like, she's a man, duh. And I I, ugh, I didn't ever do anything kids, about it. It's just like, sometimes I look back at like the stupid things that I've said or heard people said when I was a teenager and it's like, that's not funny. Like it's no. such a fruit. And, but like, <sighs> probably thought it was hilarious or cracked up. Oh yeah, they thought it was super funny. And I just didn't stand up for her and like kind of just like sat back and did nothing. Yeah. And like, it's just weird to me that here I am. I mean, that was in 2004, 2000. No, wait, what, when right. was that? 2006. And so that was super long ago. Yeah. And I still am thinking about this situation. I'm like, yesterday in the shower, I was like, maybe I should message this girl and just be like, dude, I'm really sorry that they did that. And I'm also really sorry that I never said anything. 
It well, like it's really like nice ingrained in me. Is yeah. that not weird? That's so weird. But that's what that, I was like in high school. Like well, it's really funny. It's do you feel like some of those characters? Obviously, like I think the Ashley that is very much for people wanting to protect the marginalized, the people who are maybe pushed to the side. That I think that Ashley still those parts of you still exist today. Yeah, that is just maybe gotten a little amplified. Yeah, <laughs> and so I just want to protect funny. the people I don't know. Where like when I was younger, I wanted to protect people. The I people knew, that you. But... Knew. Okay, I can see yeah. that. Yeah, I know that one was definitely out of left field, but yeah, I, I it, it was. But that's what. Yeah, yeah. Fun. I was cheery. I went to protests. <laughs> you did all of the things, huh? I did. I did, and I was with my friends constantly, paying five dollars every time that they gave you a ride because you had to pay $5 for gas. Do you remember those days? Okay, so no, because I was not. So let me tell you about my, okay. how I was in high yeah, school. Yeah, follow-up question. So um, I actually moved, like my first year of high school, I moved. So we used to live in Channel View. So we're, I don't know if you know where that's at. In say, that, say that word, you cut out just in that moment. Channel View? Do you remember no, where I don't is? know where okay, Channel View is. Do you remember is. where, do you know where Umble is? Yes. Okay. So not humble. It's just a different, it's like a, it was not a nice part. It was like a, I don't know. It was ghetto, but it wasn't like inner city ghetto. It was kind of like rural ghetto. Okay. These are cities in Texas, by the way. We were both originally from the Houston area. So we have a lot of Houston connections. So um, I had grown up and I had, and we had moved quite a bit when I was a kid, but I ended up um, staying in this one community for, I think, so, for, so from fourth grade to my freshman year, which is the longest I'd ever stayed somewhere. Well, then we moved at the sec at the semester mark of my freshman year. And so I jumped into this brand new school. All these kids had already known each other. And um, I am uh, a Hispanic person who does not sound Hispanic, who does not act like th- that's just not my culture. Like I grew up in it, but the stereotype, like that's not my person. So I very much have always found myself in these positions to where I am too Mexican for white people and I'm too white for Mexican people. So I'm in this weird middle ground. So I join, I go to this new school, very, very ghetto. I was just telling Ashley the other day, like freedom writers think that kind of thing. Uh, just a, a super interesting school to go to. So I, at, when I probably all most of my freshman year at this new school I didn't really know anyone I ate lunch by myself every day outside no yeah I did I did part of that though was that I was so shy I had little to no confidence and I just I didn't even try I didn't even try to make no one made fun of me it wasn't anything like that I just was like you know I was so sad that I had moved to it was just like I'm just going to eat by myself every day so I would walk outside sit on a wall outside and listen to Lincoln Park in my in my CD player and and call it good so that's what I did well then the next year I ended up or maybe it was that year I think that year I also ended up or no it was I don't know when I ended up joining the math leads so I did that Yeah, and here's the crazy thing. I'm not good at math <laughs> at so all. So why did you join the math league? Because it was a place Community? to belong. Yeah, okay. it was. It was a place to belong. And so I made some really cool friends there. Um, and so that was really cool. And then the next year, I ended up playing baseball. And I did that for a year. And that was fun. 
And then my senior year, I ended up playing tennis. And I really wish I would have done that my freshman year because that was so much fun. Um, and I was actually pretty good at it for just jumping right in. Um, and I picked it up pretty quick. So I really wish I would have like had more time to do that. Uh, but yeah, that's, I was, I had really long hair. I grew it out really, really long and, uh, coming from the bald man, coming from the bald man. Yeah. Now. So I always, I love to show our kids. Like I remember showing our kids those photos and they're like, no, who's that? That's not you. You know, they're six and four. Yeah. They just think it's hilarious. But yeah, I was very much as, as the years went on, I started to come out of my shell a little bit more and, and had a lot of different kinds of friend groups my senior year. So I'd imagine if I would have done that a little bit more, I, I probably would have landed there. If I wouldn't have moved, because I was very much that way at the old school I was at, but then I kind of like had to catch up with everyone else who had grown up and gone to kindergarten together and never moved and, and kind of had to figure out where I landed. So, But I was a pretty good kid. I, I never partied. I straight straight arrow... I didn't, I actually didn't even have a sip of alcohol until I was like 20 or 19 or something. Like I was a really what? good kid. Yep. I didn't date all throughout high school. Um, what? Yep. I didn't like the first real serious relationship I had. I think it was after I graduated. I, I think I was 19. So yeah. I was you and Justin very, had a lot of similarities. Good straight arrow kid. So, and a, a big part of that too is like, I didn't want anyone like, the idea of someone pressuring me to do something or I just was like, nah, no one's going to tell me what to do. I'm going to do my own thing. If everyone's doing these things, I'm going to do my own thing. Oh my gosh. No, total opposite. Yeah. I totally dove myself into, um, this was something I, I was kind of like a bad kid, not only for like one or two years, but I hung out with all the bad kids. My boyfriend was obviously a bad kid. Uh -huh. Um, and that year, that particular, that first year, I think was very pivotal and I was very, I moved also in fifth grade. Obviously I moved cause we are both here in Kansas. So we moved, yep. but that I'm very fortunate that that is like one of the moments that was so pivotal in my life that I feel like it was like earth shattering to move. If anybody's yeah. ever moved, it's Dude, so, it changes things. It really like, does. There's like, there's like a questioning of identity and everything like who you are. Yeah. And... So I think that that event happening I like moved in fifth grade going into sixth grade and like my friends were all the exact same people growing up and so then I had to move and make new friends and that's a hard thing to do yeah, is, so is. I, I can totally relate but I'm more on the opposite like I've always been really outgoing and so I continued to be outgoing and I felt like I kind of I think I leaned into like the good the like good person nice person like yeah people pleasing person to like make friends but also caved to peer pressure and so like I experimented with drugs in high school and like yeah. I definitely mm. used like my parents when she caught or when my mom caught me with a pack of marble red cigarettes <laughs> it was like golly poor <laughs> mom now like coming on 30 I'm like I don't know how my parents survived my childhood or like my adolescence like God, freaking kids give their parents heart attacks. But yeah, they do. That was my way of connecting with people is uh, like whatever they're doing. I'm like, I guess I'll do it too, which is a very stark contrast to who I am now. I'm like, I'm not breaking the rules. Like yeah. then I was like, God, sure, so I'll sneak out. How, and like, now I'm like, nope. People are shaped and how they are one way in high school and then maybe a different way. I also did grow up uh, going to youth group a lot. So I, so all of my friends were in Pearland. Uh, so are mm -hmm. you, okay. 
So mm-hmm. you're familiar with that. So they were like always a 30 minute drive away from where I was living at that time when we moved from Channel View to like the south side of Houston. So all of my friends, we just lived in completely different worlds. At that time, we, we didn't have a lot of money. We had moved back in with my mom's mom, so my grandma, and the typical Mexican thing. Like there's like 10 people living in a house. We didn't have a living room because there was three different sets of beds in the living room. Like just a completely different world than my friends in Pearland who all had cars when they were 15 and, and, you know, that kind of thing and, and grew up, you know, privileged and and with money and and things like that. Their parents worked hard. I know they did. I don't mean to just throw that word privilege around, but it was just completely different work. It was a completely different world. So I, all of my guy friends were at youth group. And then at school, I pretty much had, I think I had like just, there's like two guy friends that really stick out to me. The rest of my friends were all girls and, and, yeah. And then it was just, I lived in these two worlds. It was like, Oh, just trying to get by at school. But then with my other set of friend groups and youth group, like those are my fun friends. They'd come pick me up. And honestly, if I didn't have them, I don't know if I would have had like this real teenager experience because that is when I experienced the, Hey, can you kick in some money for gas? Like that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. The and $5 gas, the trip. $5 thing, except they were driving 30 minutes across Houston. I probably should have given them $10, Yeah, you know, Back when gas, gas and was like going $5 to the mall a gallon and, and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, that was cool. It was fun Crazy. time. In a lot of ways, I still have some, some of the similarities of, of who I was back then, but definitely life experience has shaped, I think both of us differently. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I, if, the Enneagram, I think I told you this the other day and you're like, wow, cause we're both into the Enneagram yeah. and you said, I can't believe like, or I didn't know. I never knew that your Enneagram core type gets formed by like the time you're eight or four, 15. Like it's yeah. in your adolescence that that gets like formed your and core, but your personality continues to shift and change as you grow, but your core type and your key desires are kind of solidified in those early adolescent years. It makes so much sense. That's why that's actually honestly why I was a youth pastor because I wanted to like influence even more than just like, I had always even thought to like, man, I would love to be a teacher, a high school teacher, just to have the kind of influence <laughs> that, some of my teachers had on me and and so anyways let's uh let's shift because we could keep going and down and talking mm-hmm. about this topic mm-hmm. for a long time but we need to get into the meaty stuff today we are going to talk about essentially it kind of ties into what we just discussed but how your family of origin your family your immediate family your grandparents how they completely shift even your dna but also just the way that you are, the way that you act, the uh-huh. things that come into play when it comes into or when it deals with and pertains with relationships. So for fun, I asked last night, if you're not following us on Instagram at The Bridal Breakdown, I highly recommend it because we will keep you involved and yeah, we're we try community to, around there. We try to get some insight from you guys. Yeah. So I asked last night if i said what do you and your partner do differently based off of how you were raised and then for example if you didn't see this post i this is these are all very surface level things that are just kind of funny but i load the dishwasher immediately but justin grew up staging dirty dishes on one side of the sink Mm -hmm. so it drives me crazy that there's dishes in the sink because i want to put them in immediately and he doesn't so that was like something we had to work through but also from like on like a deeper level, I used to be passive in conflict while Justin was direct and he had to teach me to be more direct and not be passive or passive aggressive. 
Yeah. Things of that nature that are unhealthy. Is there anything with you and Lara that comes to top of mind? Oh man. Okay. So the, the dishwasher thing is it's actually the same for us. So we both load, um, onto the same side of the sink. So we, we lucked out on that one. Um, Definitely. But let me see. Oh gosh. I'm trying to think of something that's kind of like surface levelly. Um, oh, I, well, I shared this one the other day. Well, Lara grew up not watching TV while she eats mm, mm-hmm. and I grew up with screens on and, and just, that's just how we grew so up. And I. so we're constantly battling to where I'm like, Hey, um, I really want to watch this show. Can, and she's like, Oh, okay, fine. But then for Lara, that's like a, a point that could be a point of connection. And instead, you know, it's, I'm wanting to watch this show or, or, or whatever. So I, I definitely get it and understand it, but that's one of those things. Yeah, no, we're the same way in our house. Justin doesn't watch TV and I do. So also, I'm always like, can you watch a movie? I just thought of another silly one. So Lara, um, I guess her mom taught her to, you always push the toothpaste up, like up from the bottom up. And our family just didn't care about things like that. Like, I don't think anyone in my family's <laughs> ever done that. So we squeeze from the middle. And so it's like, obviously Lara and I have a toothpaste thing in our restroom. And so it's like, why can't you just, why can't you just squeeze it from the bottom like a normal person or like rolling it up at the bottom so that you get every last bit. It's just like, I'm just going to squeeze it. You need to tell her that I don't do that either. (laughs) So that's been, that's been something. That's funny. Well, these are a few of our listeners that have responded to that question on Instagram and in our story. I'm excited to hear these. I haven't heard these. Yeah, I haven't read them. So this is new for both of us. So Hannah said travel. Vacations were basically two different words for us, but we met in the middle. So your families travel differently. Like, okay, yeah, that's, I can see that too. Like some families, their vacations are like, let's go to Disney. And other families are like, oh no, we're going to go vacation. And what that means is we're going to go see grandma in Iowa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Dude. Yes. Those are two separate things. I can totally relate to that. So a lot of the times when we go see my family, we make that long ass, a 10 hour drive, sometimes 12, if the kids are just struggling and we need to stop more, it's like, oh, we're going on vacation. And for Lara, that's not going on vacation. That's just going and visiting family vacation would be you know but lara grew up like taking all of these amazing trips like i remember one time she told me that her mom loaded up her siblings and were like hey you guys want to go on vacation and they just drove all the way to like pennsylvania or something and they were gone for like two weeks it was like during the summer. yeah and i'm like yeah we never did that no i mean same we're going on i i just said we're going on vacation in a few days and justin's like no we're going to go see your family we're not going on vacation so i feel that that's a good um one. so we have a few more that was a really good one hannah abigail said grocery shop he's a bulk buyer i buy as needed oh that's interesting do, do you guys do you guys do that like bulk buy or buy what you need we both buy what we need so that's the same Bulk buy. Okay, you know what's oh so I just met with uh, a couple last night, and she was they said something similar to that that she said she's like we have so much food in our house now since we've been together because and he's like a pilot so sometimes he's gone like she's like and I don't have to buy groceries the whole time he's gone like he could be gone for two weeks and I don't need to buy groceries because he we go to Costco and he just buys the biggest cases of everything so 
That's funny. Yep. That is super funny. Um, Tana said clean. So they clean differently. Same. Which I can see that. Like some people might be like dusters where like the other person's definition of clean is like just picking up. That is me. And Lara is the duster. Yeah. She'll be like, hey, can you clean? I'm like, okay. And then I'll just pick everything up and put it back where she go- where it goes. And she's like, you didn't wipe down the cabinet. You didn't wipe down the you counter. You didn't clean, or Chris. This or this. But even though she's like cleaning to her, she's like, I really want to clean this weekend. And she's talking about scrubbing baseboards. <laughs> yeah, that's like, my mother. What? No. Yeah, that's really funny. Um, so we have another one from Cassidy who said investing versus saving money, which, wow. Yeah. That's a hard one to like, I mean, that's just like a, okay, we're going to sit down and have a come to Jesus moment and we're going to really figure out what's our plan going to be as a team. That's, I'm making a connection there for something that's later on a topic, but that I'm, I'm recognizing like, oh, this goes back to family of origin. Like all of these things yeah. kind of set, yes. set in stone with like today's topic. So that's, yes, because that one's can sense. be deeper. And then we have another one and I, this girl, she's a great like um fan i don't know if fans the right word great follower i don't want to say her name is maria but i don't know exactly how to pronounce it she scrapes her dinner plate clean and puts it away and he leaves the plate behind with food still on it so we have a few that are just people really don't agree with that one okay i just thought of another one for me and lara that has to okay. do with that so um lara doesn't scrub a plate before she puts it in the dishwasher but i do i do too like I scrub it. It's like, essentially I feel like, the like a double wash. Good no, and especially with glasses. Glasses are the worst. Like you, I feel like you really got to give it a good scrub before you place it in there. I agree. Um, Olivia says the way that we view this is this is a family of origin one, which is the topic we're getting into. She says the way that we view and show affection differs based on how much we received as children. Ooh, snap, Olivia. That's getting deep, man. We Which, got a lot of responses same. to that. I know, I know. Um, Jessica said, I do a task immediately, but my husband prefers to relax and gradually complete the task. Girl, same. Girl, same. I can, I can resonate with that. And then Katie said, my family does not play board games. I always get embarrassed at how bad I am. And I'm 100% assuming that that's when she is with her fiance. (laughs) They must be a board game family, which I can't, that would suck so bad. Justin and I are both board gamers. And I know that some people don't have that, obviously that dynamic. That would be really hard to be a board gamer with not a board gamer or vice versa. You're just like, I don't get it. I don't get the hype. We don't play board games. The one time we played a board game, I, that's when I discovered how competitive Lara was. I never would have guessed she's competitive, but my God, is she competitive. (laughs) When it comes to games. Yeah. I'm like, she's taking it so seriously. And I'm like, dude, this is a game. Chill out. (laughs) You're going to be fine. It's going to be fine. So this is like, that's why we don't play games because she's, she's competitive. Jeff says laundry so they do laundry differently which right doesn't i feel like that is just a universal you're gonna have to adjust with laundry situation so i do my laundry and justin does his laundry yeah we've yeah so when i got when we got married i realized that there is um two ways to fold a towel there's the way i do it and then there's the right way and Lara would say <laughs> it's the right she happy wife right happy way. life yep that's funny. And the very the very last one is well, you know, I don't know this gal's name. 
of this gal's name. I know, right? Maybe you just call her by the first letter of her name. I don't know that either. Oh, is it a blank? Is there no? No, it's I. I I don't. Just nickname her. Nickname her. Yeah, just nickname her. (laughs) I just wish I could look at her name and call her by her name. Um, Muffin. (laughs) Okay, that's fine. Okay, she's Muffin. So Muffin, who's been very sweet and has been messaging us, I will figure out your name and learn it. She has said, my parents were very generous and his are very stingy. Also budgeting. She said budgeting is crazy for us. And that's a really good one to land on to move in to this topic. topic, Are you ready? Yeah, I am. I'm ready to move into this topic of a family of origin. So we're going to be talking about, and I'll be defining um, family of origin and stuff, but this is something that I learned about probably two and a half, three years ago now. And I remember hearing about it and I read it in a book and it just made so much sense to me and it blew my mind and I just could not believe how many dots were connected and how many aha moments um, that I had about the person that I am today based off of of this stuff um, when it comes to family of origin. And so basically what your family of origin is, is it is um, the family that you originated from. And so, and it's also this concept that you learn things, um, sometimes spoken, sometimes unspoken from the family that you came from. So for instance, like some of these that we just went over are like our family, we always cleared off the dinner plates and we, you know, uh, the others we just, you know, didn't, or we always load the dishwasher right after we eat. Mom and dad always did dishes together right afterwards. That was their little date time. And then they loaded the dishwasher and that kind of thing. And then, you know, maybe the other family, you know, your fiance's family, they just leave the food on there and toss it in the other side of the sink. Those are things that are not maybe they were spoken rules. Maybe they were unspoken. That one, I can see that one being a spoken rule. Like this is how we do that. Other examples of like something that might be unspoken are the way that conflict is handled. So maybe in one family conflict is handled in a sense that it is swept under the rug. It's never talked about. It's never acknowledged. People just move over it. And then in another sense, uh, maybe in another family, Uh, There's lots of loud arguing, yelling, passion, and all of this stuff, but but problems aren't swept under the rug. They're handled directly and normally handled loudly. Like, those aren't rules that they said, hey, here's how we're going to handle these issues. It's just kind of the dynamic and the culture in the house, and so that's just what ends up happening. And so you can see, like, can you see where this might be problematic, Ashley, where you take two people who like come from different households, who there's these unspoken rules that they've begun to live with, where you have one person who sweeps under the rug and one person who's direct. Wholeheartedly, that's my life. Yeah. <laughs> that was 100% my life when Justin and I moved in together. And it was a really hard adjustment for us to figure out the varying ways that we hit. And granted, I didn't just, I've just kind of always thought I was conflict. Mm, I can't think of the word. I was just, I'm just passive. Like I just always thought I hated conflict. I didn't, I avoided confrontation. Like it was the life of me. And it wasn't until Justin and I started dating that he was like, you do engage in conflict. You just do it in a passive aggressive manner. And so then that's in a lot of these families that are passive, you form passive aggression as a child that's formed as a child. And you don't know how to, 
get across the way that you're actually feeling. And so you say it in like this passive remark and hope, fingers crossed, that they understand why you're complaining, what you're complaining about when you never actually said what you're complaining about and you never actually said that you're upset. So like Justin, if I made a passive aggressive remark, he literally thinks everything's okay because I didn't say I was upset. I was just like, that's fine. Oh, wow. That makes so much sense. So we never resolved anything because like, and then I would grow resentment because he didn't know that I was upset. But I, in my mind, I'm like, I told him I'm You're upset. Like, I've and he's made like, it. no, you I've, didn't. I've made this very clear in, in, in your family that would have been clear. Like, oh, that was a passive. Exactly. Like, oh, so snap. also I look now because of that, I'm always like overthinking the, and overanalyzing the things that people say because I grew up not nothing against my parents. Like this is just also the way that they grew up. And I'm always overanalyzing what people are saying. And I'm like, wait, what did they mean by that? What did they mean by that? Okay, that's fine. Or what did they mean by saying I'm confused? Like, actually, are they mad at me? So I grew up kind of having to look at the undertones of things where Justin, his family was very direct. There was no undertones. So when he comes to me to bring something up, I feel attacked yep. because of his undertone, but he yep. never had to pay attention to his undertone. He's like, I just say what I'm thinking. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, you need to come to me gracefully, yep. sweetly, and bring it up. Yeah, and and so I think this is a really good time to just kind of make clear, and you brought this up about family, like this episode, I don't want this to be an attack on anyone's family or for anyone to feel like, your parents were malicious or or knew what they were doing a lot of times these things are so subconscious and it, it uh, like buried so deeply within us and within our families that it's not like anyone knows what they're doing sometimes they might be intentional yes but other times there are things like communication styles that people don't just choose like oh we're going to be a passive family or oh we're going to be an assertive family a lot of times it's these things have been ingrained and rooted deeply within us for generations. So your dad's dad and your dad's dad's dad, like going generations back that this is just how the family has kind of functioned and operated. So I don't want you to think that your parents are terrible people for maybe instilling, instilling or making you passive or assertive or any of that type of stuff. Like parents are just doing the best that they know how to do and a lot of times we do what we have seen our parents do mm-hmm. for better or for worse well and a lot of them like our parents I, I was literally thinking the words are doing the best they can just as you were saying it yeah but also they're trying to do better a lot of the time than their parents were doing That's good. and even if it's not perfect they're trying to be perfect for you and so you may get these unhealthy coping mechanisms like passive aggression and have to battle and work through that. But then you can battle and work through this for your kids. It's not your, it's not your parents' fault. And so when I talk to my mom about passive aggression, when she'll do something and I'm like, you should tell dad really how you feel. And she's like, but I did. And I'm like, but you didn't. We, you, it can be unlearned if you do learn any unhealthy conflict resolution type Mm -hmm. of strategies as a child these things can be unlearned but it does take work and it takes somebody a lot with passive aggression in particular because i know a lot of people suffer from this and relationships suffer from this you just need an accountability partner to be like hey that was passive aggressive try it saying it directly so that's what justin did with me i'd make a passive aggressive comment and he's like try being more direct with me. I don't know exactly what you mean. And so then I would literally have to like take a deep breath 
and I felt like I was like starting the biggest fight ever like you because were about I was to break or shatter his world. Yes. Yeah. And he's like, okay. I like say whatever it is. And I'm like, I don't like the way that you load the dishwasher. I don't know what it was. Yeah. And he's like, okay. And after a while I learned the world's not going to end because I tell him how I'm feeling. In fact, I'm not going to feel resentful. We're going to be able to solve this. So a lot of these things that you do learn from your family of origin, if they are problematic, can be fixed. You can be happier. That can be lifted. And you may not even know that it's a thing. So that's what we're going to dive into is like, what are these things that you have ingrained in you, even as deep as your DNA, that you can try to like change those neuro pathways, change this about yourself. It doesn't have to be this way forever. I feel like we say that every episode. It doesn't have to be this way. That may be a little phrase that that just keeps coming up over and over again. Um, The last disclaimer I want to get before we really dive in, even though we're kind of, but before we get much further is that there's so much work that goes into diving into your family of origin. There's a lot of discovery, a lot of unearthing and digging and, and making connections. It is not something that we are going to be able to go super in depth on in this episode. But we wanted to start the conversation because we believe that this is something that you can have some aha moments with. Um, And we hope to like ignite a curiosity in you that's going to lead you to digging deeper into where your family truly is and how they've deeply shaped the person that you are today for better or for worse. And so my hope is that you know, after this, that you might begin to look at, hey, what are the, what are some things that me and my partner are always fighting about? Always just having these little tips, these little arguments about, and then you might go, huh, maybe there's something there with family of origin. Maybe he or she learned this, and this is why they do these things. They're not intentional to hurt me. It's just like deeply ingrained in me. So again, this is just like an introductory level into the family of origin. You can do research on your own, read books. I'm going to make a recommendation of a book and and uh, and some stuff like that at the end. So you guys can definitely dive into this, but um, we're going to do that. Ready to dive deeper? I'm excited. I'm Good. genuinely excited. <laughs> okay. So um, I think the one of the first things that's, that's important to grasp is that in order for you to move forward in your current relationship, you actually have to look backwards and examine the family that you came from. A lot of times we can find out so much about ourselves by looking to the past. Um, I feel like as a society in America, we're always focused on moving forward in the future, but very rarely are we encouraged to look at the past and to process and to just um, meditate, think deeply about. We're, we're just always looking on to the next thing. And so I feel like a lot of the things that we deal with in our present could be unlocked or, or we can have these aha moments if we were to simply look at the past. And so that's what this whole conversation is going to be about today. Um, have you ever heard of something called the Beaver System Model? No. No. No, okay. no not at all. So... <laughs> Basically, the beaver system model is a well-known way of looking and under, looking at and understanding our families. And so um, it's basically breaking out, uh, classifying families into five levels of health. And so I want to read off these descriptions. There's five of them. Okay. And this might be a way for you to kind of gauge and to begin to think about where your family is. Like all families are different. And some of these are very generalized, but... I think you might find yourself gravitating to one of them out of all five of them. I love these activities. Okay. Let's go. Let's do it. All right. Level five, 
the family in pain. This is a severely disturbed family. Real leadership is totally lacking. Chaos, uncertainty, confusion, and turmoil are the adjectives that describe these homes. Conflicts are never dealt with or resolved. There is no ability to look at issues with clarity. That's it. I'm actually Oof. reading from a book. I don't know if anyone can tell. <laughs> so I read all of these, um, and I think, I think it's hard to say this because I love my family. But I, out of all of these, the family that I come from would probably be the best categorized as the family in pain. Um, mostly for a few reasons. Um, I don't know that there was this loud, explosive fighting and stuff that took place. Um, but I would say that real leadership was definitely lacking in our household. I wouldn't say it was chaotic, but the words uncertainty and confusion... Uh, definitely resonate with our household. Turmoil wasn't one that I would use, um, but conflicts were never dealt with. Like it, it didn't happen. Everything was swept under the rug, um, which is interesting because I am not like that. Like that's something that I did not take away from my family. And I think it was because of a lot of frustrations I had. Like I wished people would talk about their problems and that my mom, um, I also grew up with my mom also venting to me and complaining to me as the oldest child a lot. Um, and so I kind of resented my dad a little bit more and I always was making mental notes like, okay, mom's always upset that dad's doing this. So I'm going to try to not do this. Mm -hmm. Um, just little things like that, but we would be, I would definitely categorize. I need to ask my brother this. He lives with us. I'd be interested to see what he rated us. as. Yeah, me too. So, okay. That's level five, the family in pain. Level four, the borderline family. This is a polarized family. Instead of anarchy, as in level five, a dictatorship rules here. Instead of no rules, this home has nothing but black and white rules. There are rigid ways of thinking, feeling, and behaving that are expected of all members. Individuals cannot say, I disagree with what you said. I know people who this is their parents. And I hung out with them, and this is the home they lived in. Yeah, I was going to say, like, at first, until that last sentence, I was like, Oh, this could potentially be my family, but th then I come. You completely lost me in that last sentence. Like there was allowed to definitely be disagreement. Okay, yeah, individuals can cannot say I disagree with what you said. So I mean, it, and again, there may be. And it's about it, none of these might. There might be some people. It's a perfect descriptor. I would imagine some of right. these are like, hey, seventy-five percent of that I agree is my family. Kind of like the enneagram. You know, like there are things that are like, yeah, seventy-five, eighty percent of of the characteristics are me. Yeah. So maybe, who knows? Maybe that's it. Maybe it's not. The rule-bound family. This family is not in chaos or under a dictatorship. It is healthier than level four, feeling loved and good about oneself. However, depending on obeying the spoken and unspoken rules of the family, um, oh, however, it's depending upon whether or not you obey the spoken or unspoken rules of the family. If you loved me, you would do all the things you know will meet my, with my approval. Uh, there is an invisible referee with the rules of the system being more important than the individual. A subtle level of manipulation, intimidation, and guilt permeate the home. Hmm. There's that one. Hmm. Okay. Level I'm trying two, to like self-identify. <laughs> yeah. Level two and level one. And that's why in, in level two and level one are almost identical. Uh, and so 
you you might just have to go with the one that's like uh, this most closely resembles. And again, this is just trying to kind of give you a good route for where you are. So levels two and one, the adequate family and the optimal family. In these families, there is an ability to be flexible and cherish each each individual member while at the same time valuing a sense of closeness. Good feelings, trust, and teamwork by the parents enable members to work together through difficulties and conflicts. What distinguishes level two families from level one families can be summed up in one word, delight. Level one families truly delight in being with one another. Wow. Yep. Wow. That's intense. Yeah. That gave me chills. Yeah. I want to be a family that where our children like delight being with us. This is one of those things we were talking about comparing last time to where it's like, I want to compare myself to this, but like as a motivational thing, you know, like 100% motivational want to be better. So what, so maybe let's see, maybe you didn't fit in exactly with one of those, or maybe our listeners didn't feel like they fit the mold of one of those, but this should give you a good starting place. What did you resonate with Ashley? That was said. Well, so level, I wanted to say when you finished reading about one and two, that I feel like, we are more between like two and three, okay. I think. Yeah. My So my dad was very passive. My mom was relatively passive as well. But my mom was like the quote unquote uh, dictator is not the right word. But she's she was the leader of yeah. our family. The matriarch. Yeah. She was. Yeah. She made the rules. We followed the rules. So like we're very rule centered, which is probably why I'm rule centered now. But <laughs> we're very rule centered. So that resonated. resonated. And that was from level three, I think. The rules. Yes. It's kind of like a big old thing. Like unspoken rules and like things will be great. But I didn't necessarily resonate with that's how you show me you love me type of thing is like following the rules. Okay. I I would definitely resonate more with like one or two in that regard. But I also like absolute. I like have always loved being around my family. Like even from a child now as an adult, I like loved it but delight I'm like trying to decipher how like delight feels but it definitely I don't know so we're definitely in like that upper range thing I feel very fortunate to have that I know not everybody does. Yeah, and it's interesting because in our family growing up and and I'm going to share a little bit about Lara's family too partially because she'll never listen to the podcast, so she won't know. Um, <laughs> but I also don't think she would care. Um, but in our family, so my, I love my dad. I love him so much. He was not really a leader in our home. Um, I would actually, as weird as this is to say, I would say that, and even still to, to this day, um, I'm probably the leader of our family. Even being the oldest like my mom is always coming to me and asking for advice and my dad will too but it's just interesting how that dynamic that dynamic works out but I I wasn't leading when I was younger I didn't feel like I could I felt like that was my dad's job and so there was always this voidless vacuum and because of that I mean there was just so much uncertainty there was always questioning are we making the right decision there was very much not a um like 
this feeling of security, like, okay, we're making the right decision. We're doing the right thing. This is the right choice to make. And a part of that, you know, comes from my mom got pregnant when she was 17. My dad had to grow up very quickly. And while my dad wasn't the loving and nurturing kind of father, he showed me and my brothers and my sister love the best way that he knew how to, which was to work hard and to provide for our family. I will say to this day, my dad is the hardest working man that I know. Person, I just even, he's the hardest working person that I know. And he got that from his dad because his dad worked so hard to provide for a better life. My dad's dad came from Mexico. He came from poverty. And so for him, his dad was always just trying to provide. And so when they came to America, he could actually do that. He could actually provide a better life. And it just required working 70, 80 hour weeks. And it was the same thing for my dad. And so he showed us love a different way by, by providing and giving to us the best that he knew how to. Um, so I wouldn't say that like our home was riddled with turmoil. Like I wouldn't say that like even though I, I, I would do think level five is the best way to categorize us. It was more of just like kind of this sense of hopelessness and defeatedness that kind of existed within our family. I don't know if that makes sense. Cloud. Yeah, kind of just like, you know, just always going through the ringer with stuff. Yeah. Well I I just I think that Justin could probably agree with that for him. That he his family was always going through something. And I think a lot of it had to do with moving around a lot. And we moved around a lot too. You know. Yep. And dad was in the military as a chief. So he was kind of relatively absent with like a stay at home. So it was like a very interesting dynamic. Yeah. And like, I think a lot of people that move around a lot have to deal with a lot of coping mechanisms growing yeah. up. Well, I mean, you have those things to where, you know, um, dad's gone a lot. He's working a lot. He's working long hours. And, and I think that our parents' generation, you know, you and I, I'm 30. You are, you're not 30 yet, right? You're 29. Yep. How old are your parents? My dad is my both. They're both 63, 62 or 63. My mom just had to pull out a calculator yesterday to figure out how old she was. (laughs) She was born in 58. So 63. So I think your parents are closer to, so with my parents having me so young, I think my dad, he just turned 50. So my dad's 50 and my mom, I think is 46 or 47, somewhere in there. Um, and then Lair's parents are like 72 and 61 or something like that. So, but there is this thing that existed that it's like you work as hard as you can and you just have to do what you have to do and you put your head down and you survive. And so I feel like for a lot of our parents, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but at least with Lair's family and with my family or speak for your family, I don't want to speak for your family, but there was not very much emotional like love and stuff that was there. It was more about surviving and, and like being well off financially so that you can not die. <laughs> I know that sounds dramatic, but I, I'm in like. complete 100% agreement. What, like we, we even say that like we were kind of on a one income household when I was growing up and my mm-hmm. dad was self-employed. And so that self-employed money, obviously there wasn't like a ton of it. Yeah. And, they did just work to get by. I mean, the 90s, I think, honestly, were kind of hard for a lot of people. 
but you I know you were more, more expensive yeah but there was it's weird though because there's also this like huge level of respect that i noticed amongst like especially with the Larry's family for working hard like yes doing hard work like Larry's mom our relationship has gotten better we're gonna have a whole episode on that one day about in-laws but um we are in a better we are always finding ourselves in with our relationship being better than it was the year before, but we're still working through things. Yeah. Um, but to this day, she always makes comments, especially since I started my business about me getting a real job. Uh, and like, so (laughs) this happens at least every two or three months, Lara's mom will tell her, Hey, uh, so I saw there's some openings down at spirit and, uh, this and this, like, I really think Chris could get this job and he can do this. And Lara's like, mom, he has a job. He's a wedding photographer. He provides, it's like they don't know. They're like, this must be a hobby thing. Like, no, I'm making what someone, I'd have to work and be gone. Like what I make in one wedding, I'd have to work like 40 hours doing that, maybe more. And I do it in not 40 hours and I get to be around my family more. So it's it's so interesting, the dynamic that exists like within that and this hardworking culture that like for them it's like you have to do this to be successful well I was gonna ask you your what would you say that your parents I think this is a really important question for people to consider themselves and I think it can lead you to a life of like fulfillment so when you were growing up what was it that your parents instilled in you that was success like and maybe success is the wrong word but what did they really or want like you to be? Yeah, like, what was you know, it that they winning. really instilled in you? Like mine, for example, was to be kind. Like that was like all that my parents cared about. That's like you just one, need man. to be kind. That was like 100% everything always boiled back down to like you just need to be kind to people. Man, this is a, yeah, I've never... Jeez. I asked Ashley this the other day, my business partner, yeah. and she had to sit on it for a minute too. However, I think you should chew on it. And while you chew on it, I'm going to talk. Okay, do it. <laughs> so the reason that I'm asking this question, and I want you kind of all to consider what was it that your parents instilled in you? What, what did they instill as important? Some people's was you need to work really hard. You need to make a lot of money. You need to... It could have been you need to find fun in things. You need to carve your own path. Like everybody's parents kind of had a different set of what it was that was important to like be a good person. And I know like Justin's, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but whenever we've talked about our own kids, like what do we want our kids to be? I always say kind and Justin always says smart. Like they very much value intelligence. Yes. Like hard. And I'm like, no, I'd rather my kid be kind than smart. And so... The reason I ask is because this can boil down to your calling in life, kind of like calling. It may not be the right word, but it can be rooted in your direction for where you need to continue to go that will make you feel good. Or you need to reverse engineer it and be like, is that something that I still line up with? Or is that something that is like dragging me down in life that I feel like I need to have like a really good job and be a lawyer because my parents told me I need to but it doesn't she muted herself hey that's the first (laughs) time though that that's happened I know I was like trying to tighten this and I hit it (laughs) so it but it doesn't line up with me and what I want what is it yeah like so it's kind of like figure out what that is 
That's a really good question. Can you repeat that one more time just for maybe people that might have missed it? Yes. What was it that your parents instilled in you at a young age? And then consider that because that could be something that will guide you to a fulfilling life if you line up with it. Or it could be something that you need to reverse engineer and be like, this is a belief that has been instilled in me that doesn't line up with me. I need to drop it. I need to let it go. Yes. I need to find my own. And that is the power of unearthing your family of origin and the unspoken and spoken things. Like there is power in that. And that is one of the biggest benefits is that you can begin to analyze and go, do I want this or do I not want this? Because just like I said, like I I picked up so many things that I was like, yeah, I don't want to do this that my dad does, but I do want to do this, you know? Okay. So I think I have an answer to your question, um, at least here within the last like couple minutes I've had. So one of them would be um, to provide for your family, like, and that family is one of the most important things. And it's, it's interesting to say that because even though we were, my dad wasn't necessarily the leader that our family needed, like, we still did have fun together. Like, I didn't hate my life. Like, I loved my family. We still tried to do what we could. We still went fishing. We, you know did what we could do, but it was like, there was very much this belief that my dad tried to drill in us that family's everything. And that also something that I'm just realizing is that like, you need to spend a lot of time with family, like a lot. And that is really important. And then when I moved away and moved to Kansas, that really hurt my dad because it was almost like this, well, you don't want to be by us type thing. And it's like, no, nah, that's, that's not what this is. But I'm also realizing like, wow, that's real. those things are really important to me. Family is very important to me. Us spending time together is important to me. So those are probably the biggest things that I think is like you need to provide for your family. And that's not just a male thing too. That would be a female thing as well. Like, because my mom very much, so it was just like a, everyone contributes, everyone tries to provide, we're in this together type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. I think that... I mean, even though I said earlier, my, we were a one income household when I was young. That was like when Ben and I were babies and daycare is expensive. So my mom stayed home and my dad went and worked. But when we got so expensive. Yeah. So then it's like a blessing for a parent whenever your ki- both your kids are in kindergarten and then you can actually work. So my mom pretty much for most of my like adolescent and adult life kind of was it, she took on like the breadwinner role. And that was yep. when I started forming a close relationship with my mom. Like deep close relationship friendship and that could potentially be why I want to be the breadwinner of my family and like I want Justin to stay at home it's which is just very interesting I so want him to be a stay-at-home dad he would kill it wouldn't he he would kill I mean look he's already cooking up he's like chef Gordon right now chef Uh, Ramsay he he really Gordon Ramsay that's right he he did he just made us cordon bleu it was great okay so I have another little activity for us Okay. Okay. So we are going to be talking about 10 different kind of scenarios. If you haven't really identified with anything that we're saying yet so far, I want you to, I'm going to list off some things that have potentially, 10 things that have potentially been spoken into you that have been instilled in you and 10 things that might have been unspoken, but still instilled into you. Does that make sense? Okay. So I'm going to give us these categories and then we can talk about these and, and just see if any of these line up. So number one. Wait, wait, I need to pee. Okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> I need to go, go to the bathroom. Pee. Do what you gotta do. So, I'm gonna go pee really quick. Okay, so these are 10 different examples that we're going to walk into of spoken and unspoken rules that might apply to you. So you as the listener play along and see which of these stand out. And then Ashley, we can discuss a little bit, not in super detail, but just, oh yeah, that one is us. Oh yeah, these didn't really apply to my family. So number one. Let's go. Money. Okay, so the topic of money. Money is the best source of security. So that's one of the uh, things that could have been spoken or unspoken. The more money you have, the more important you are. Make lots of money to prove you made it. So those are just three for this, for each of these, they're gonna have three. Do any of those stand out to you, that messages Ooh. that you feel like you got about money? The, I wanna say the first one, will you repeat that? The money is the best source of security. I would say that that is definitely a message that I received growing up. I feel like that one resonates with me the most out of the three. I don't, money wasn't super important. Yeah. So I feel like it was more of, yeah. One of, one of the, my ex-girlfriends, she, her family, it was definitely a big thing that make lots of money to prove that you made it. That was, I can look back and go like, oh yeah, that was a thing. Okay. Yeah. Number two, conflict. Avoid conflict at all costs. Don't get people mad at you. Loud, angry, constant fighting is normal. I, is that, are, are those the those three? Those are the three, yeah. I am like hard head nodding to the first two. Hard. Yeah. I mean, I don't resonate with the third one at all, but the first two, both of them. Yeah. I always be kind. If somebody's mad at you, you're failing. Yep. Yeah, I would say avoid uh, conflict at all costs was something that was there. Sex. Sex is not to be spoken about openly. Men can be promiscuous. Women cannot. Sexuality and marriage will come easy, easily. That first one out of all of those probably resonates with me the most. Sex is not to be spoken about openly. Do any of them have to resonate? No, they don't. No, these aren't. These are just examples of these. These are low-hanging fruit. <gasps> Cool. These aren't these aren't like you have to fit into these and and these are the ones. So you could say random examples. Yeah, these are just random examples. Yeah, also, no, I this, don't resonate with any of this those. book also is that I'm reading from is a Christian book. So there might that that might be why some of those there at least are there for sex. So know that there is an undertone of that, although this topic is not purely Christian by any means. Right. Yeah, um, no, I don't resonate with any of those. I okay. think well, I mean we didn't talk about sex until I was probably like a teenager my parents never talked about it with me ever oh ever. oh uh, there was none of that yeah I mean, I, my kids I, are four and six and we've already talked about sex multiple times yeah yeah it wasn't it definitely wasn't unspoken i feel even like as an adult maybe kind of awkward around my dad yeah if we talk about it and we don't talk about it like you know what i mean i know what you mean it's like yeah. appropriate conversations but i still kind of feel weird like that my dad knows that like i have sex with my husband like that's like a very strange thing for Th that's me that's an interesting that's my world dad. To live in. okay yeah. i just thought of my own right here okay Affec affection okay yeah affection is done openly in front of the kids and in public affection no. is something to be private and never shared with anyone affection is to not be shown at all do any of those res resonate with you? 
Affection is private. Okay. So my family, that would have been, that's how it is for Lara's family. But when Lara met my family, we are very affectionate. We're huggers. My dad was always kissing my, kissing my mom in front of us, always playing around, grabbing her boobs, slapping her butt, all that stuff. Like all of that. So it was very playful. It was never anything that was like dirty or, but it was like this, we knew like showing love and affection. And so, so Lara was blown away when she saw my parents kiss for the first time. Like, she's like, oh my God, I can't believe that they just did that. Like, yep. here. It was, yep. so that was definitely something that was different for us. I think I saw my parents kiss like last week. And the fact that I know that I saw my parents kiss last week should be saying something. I, they don't, I could count on one hand how many times I've seen them kiss. So I literally kind of like inside of me was like fist pumping the air, like, Yes, yes go, you go, should still go. be in love right now. Yes. <laughs> I, like, that's not something that we ever saw. Okay. Uh, grief and loss. Sadness is a sign of weakness. You are not allowed to be depressed. Get over losses quickly and move on. I don't know that any of those resonate with me. Me either. But I, I know that they resonate with some people. Like, def- mm-hmm. I feel like Justin could resonate with a couple of those. Expressing anger. Anger is dangerous and bad. Explode in anger to make a point. Sarcasm is an acceptable way to release anger. The first one. Anger is dangerous and bad. Yeah, I... I say, you know, explode in anger to make a point would probably be it, which is ironic because I said everything got swept under the rug, which is true. But the rug can only go so high before stuff starts falling out. And mm-hmm. then the moments where things did explode, they exploded. Like, But it would build up and build up and build up and build up until it couldn't build up anymore. And then there were shadows. Yeah, there's always an explosion in the, the passive. Yep. Um, number six, family. You owe your parents for all they've done for you. Don't speak of your family's dirty laundry in public. Duty to family and culture comes before everything else. If any, the first one resonates a teeny bit. You owe your parents for all they've done for you. Yeah. Last one. I don't know if O is the right word either. So that's why it's just. Maybe you should be grateful or something like that. Yeah. Like, thank you for everything that you've done. Yeah. So for me, it'd be duty to family and culture comes before everything. Relationships. Don't trust people. They will let you down. Mm-mm. Nobody will ever hurt me again. Don't show vulnerability. None of those. Don't but show vulnerability for me. Really? Mm-hmm. And this Justin, is one of those. This is one of those unspoken those things. This isn't something that everyone. But like, I can't ever remember my mom or dad being vulnerable with one another, or let alone in front of us that that was something. Or my dad coming to me. And being vulnerable and apologizing, like, for something and putting themselves in a position of not power. Not that he was on a power You just trip. never saw it, so you didn't learn it. And I never experienced it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would. But our family's like that. Like, vulnerability, like, being honest with what's really going on, it's, it, it's not there. Uh, eight, attitudes towards different cultures. Only be close friends with people who are like you. Do not marry a person of another race or culture. Certain cultures slash races are not as good as mine. 
you already know that it, you don't I don't think any of those apply to me however that's a, it's just a hard I feel like those are those are like that's that bias that yeah. do you know that it exists type of thing yeah I'll I'll ask this one like maybe this is no this is no this would not be a knock on because I'm gonna ask it about my family too uh I would agree with me. Only be close with friends who are people who are like you. And I was going to say, if anyone, maybe that one. But do not marry a person of another race or culture. How would you, how do you think your family would respond if you married someone from another race or culture? And think they wouldn't, drastically different. They wouldn't give a shit. Okay. I um, think my but family. I know somebody who would be, whose parents would be freaking pissed. So I don't think like it would be, I don't think my parents would be 100% against it. I think it would be awkward for them and they would have to, they would want to be okay. But okay, their first. But Lara reaction, does. No, no, yeah, Lara, but Lara doesn't, it's different. That's what, that's why I'm asking. Yeah. I'm like, but Lara is kind, is a different culture. Right. But it's also, di- well, so I'm also I'm a part different white. Race. I'm half okay, white. Okay. My mom is half white. My dad married a half white girl. Okay, so they're. Uh, that's, so yeah, you're half white. So the same girl that I talked about earlier, her parents, one of the big reasons that we ended up breaking up, excuse me, was because of my race. I'm sorry. Yeah, and that I sucks. That was probably one of the hardest things to ever. Dad was very racist, very racist. Um, tried everything I could to like respect and honor this man, and ultimately, that's why. Uh, the relationship ended so tears in my eyes i'm very sorry that you had to go through that it's okay i I wish i yeah i was young and i really wish i just could have been like listen guy like i got some things i want to say to you now but whatever i moved on okay yeah number nine success success is getting into the best schools is making lots of money is getting married having children and having a family that last one okay I would say the same for us because yeah. success, although money played a big role, money was important, but not for success. Not for success. Uh, it, was it was more, more like survival. Security. Yeah. Security, yeah. survival. Okay. Feeling and emotions. You are not allowed to have certain feelings. Your feelings are not important. Reacting with your feelings without thinking is okay. Number one, which was read that again. That one. You are not allowed to have certain feelings. Yeah, I wasn't allowed to be, like, if I was angry or threw a fit or anything like that, if there was, like, reprimand. Yeah, you had to stop so that. Like, so I grew up not being, like, thinking literally anger was bad, which aided to my passive aggression. I would say for me it's the reacting with your feel- reacting with your feelings without thinking is okay. So just kind of that, like, that explosive kind of thing that was mm-hmm. just like, mm-hmm. that's well, that's okay, that's fine. So anyways, these are, these are all 10 and you can, there's so, there's so, 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 so many more of these. And those um, are just examples. These And they're, these are just examples. They're not like you have to have one of these three. They kind of get your brain going. They get your brain going. But when we're talking about unspoken and spoken rules, these are the things that we're talking about. Things that, that you've latched onto you that you may have not realized that you latched onto. Um, all of this types of stuff and, and things that you have the ability to look at and go, hmm, success in our family was defined as um, 
basically if you got a really good job, you were successful. Maybe you're in a different place than your family was now, and you go, you know what? I just don't agree with mom and dad on that. Success to me is loving people or um, family, starting a family. Like You have to redefine what those things are for you. Um, and so you have the ability to be able to do that um, when we're looking at these things. And again, this is the power of starting to dig deep into your family of origin. So those are examples of unspoken and potentially spoken rules. And these things are hardwired into our brains, like so much so that we bring these expectations into our closest relationships as adults. And this might be potentially to where, you know, you as someone who's about to get married, you might see some of these little arguments that are happening. Ashley, it looked like you had a light bulb moment there. I did. Well, I was going to, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Chris, is so how do you find that this family of origin concept affects couples and marriages, which why we're talking about this today. Yeah. I think the, the, the biggest thing that it does is it, it creates those aha moments and it allows you to realize like, wow, this is why me and my fiance are constantly fighting about money and he wants to spend it all and I want to save it. And it's because you two grew up with a very different view of money. Maybe for you, your parents grew up, um, fearful of layoffs and, and their parents warned them of the great depression and saving money and always hiding their mattress in the money in a mattress. That's like a phrase that people talk about. Like you, you want to save up your money cause you never know what's going to happen. Whereas maybe your fiance, uh, his family, they made lots of money and they just never really worried about them. They always wanted to celebrate and have a good time and, and buy gadgets and things like that. And so those are things, potential sources and hotspots that could lead to flare-ups, disagreements, anger, arguments. And instead of you thinking, oh, this is never going to work, you could just look at those and go, hey, we can work through these things. When we realize that you feel that way because you grew up with that and I feel this way because I grew up this way, you guys can look at it together and go, do we want to alter these and begin to change our minds and form our new, basically, like family and beliefs and core beliefs and things like that? Right, for your family and knowledge for so many other reasons, but this as well is power. Without mm. knowing it, without like turning your back to it, you're never going to be able to make that active change. Especially because I think a lot of people, these things that they've learned these unspoken rules aren't necessarily things they agree with or feel strongly about. It's just the way it's kind of always been. It's never yeah. been challenged. It's the fact that let's look at it and challenge it. Now we have the ability to change it. Yeah. I like that. You, 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 you're able to, excuse me, man, I am burping today. <laughs> Don't know why I speak so much. Um, but uh, yeah, you can challenge it and you, and you should do this together as a couple, like, and you've mentioned several times, Ashley, and it seems like you and Justin have made some of these connections without knowing what this is called, but your relationship gets better. Would you agree? Like once you can realize like the communication thing that you were talking about with you two, like you being maybe passive aggressive and him being mm -hmm. direct, like mm -hmm. how much did that change y'all's relationship once you guys figured that out? astronomical amounts prior to us well it was him understanding what passive aggression was me not knowing even really what that was I'm like no I'm not aggressive I see the word aggressive and I'm like that I don't identify, identify anger fight harm you probably exactly. think those words yeah yeah and so whenever he told me that it was like this well a first of all he was sleeping on the floor that night <laughs> he made a cot on the bed and slept on the floor this was years ago 
and I was sleeping in bed and we had this like fight about passive aggression. And he was like, you're very passive aggressive. Like this is unhealthy. We can't communicate actively. You're saying things. I'm not hearing them because you're not saying them. And so I did a Google search on passive aggression and I laid in bed that night and cried myself to sleep. No, <laughs> Chris was about to be Man, like, oh I'm my sorry. Gosh. <laughs> nah, I was about to go, oh my gosh. And then I choked on mine. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I cried myself to sleep that night. And without him being honest with me with that, granted, I wish it would have been more done more delicately. Right. It was a, it was a very hard year of our relationship. Probably one of the worst. It was one of his worst years uh, mentally. So he didn't come at it delicately. We weren't doing this like exercise together to better ourselves. He was just kind of attacking me in a way and saying like, I want this relationship to work, but it's not going to work if you continue being passive aggressive. So then I figured it out and he had to be my accountability buddy. And literally, I think we had a safe word. Accountability buddy. Uh, We had a safe word and I want to say it was pineapple. And anytime that I was being passive aggressive, he would say pineapple and Mm -hmm. that would check me. And then I'd take a deep breath, challenge myself, be direct, tell him what you really think. Everyone wants, and a lot of people just expect that once they get married, all of their problems are going to be better and they're going to go away. And it's just going to be this fairy tale and perfect and romantic. And <clears throat> that's not true. Those butterflies wear off pretty dang quickly and things get real pretty fast. Even for couples who lived together, like it's just different from what some of my friends have told me, like there's a deeper commitment there. That's like, Oh crap, I'm locked in with this person. Even if you've been living with them for years and years prior to being married, like it, it takes work and it takes consistent work. And a lot of times people who maybe grow up in environments where self growth and bettering yourself isn't really talked about and becoming the best version of yourself. I know that sounds woo woo, but you are, you witness people pointing out flaws in other people when in marriage it would do you well it would serve you well to begin to look at yourself sorry larry sent me a text uh it you you need to start and you need to look at yourself and start there because if you start within like you can't change your other partner like but you can change yourself and you can begin to work on yourself and you should be committed to having conversations and about all this stuff but all of this stuff like i hate to even go this route but can you imagine if you start having these conversations with your fiance now before you're married and you start to talk about these things even if you're dating and maybe you get to a point to where you work through you begin to work through things and things get better Or maybe you realize we're just not compatible. These things are just deeply ingrained in us and they are not going to change. And maybe you guys decide, maybe it's best if we don't get married. I know that's dark. I know that's probably not what anyone wants to hear. But you can figure those things out. And you can figure out, hey, am I going to? Because listen, if there are issues right now in your relationship that are blaring red flags and you want to work on them, and your partner is not committing to work on them, it's not going to change when you get married. Like, unless there's some cataclysmic event that maybe happens that causes someone to really self-evaluate. And I'm not trying to discourage anyone from getting married, but it is something to consider and something to think about. I don't know what you think about all that. (laughs) I, 
if there was a huge delay there, I had like a 30 second delay for you. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. But okay. no, I can, I'm I always completely agree. And I think that it, although it's hard to have those difficult conversations about, is this the right move? I mean, I think it's just really important. And even if like, I'm going to be honest here and there is a really hard moment that you can have in your relationship of, wow, this is really difficult. Wow. We view things very differently. Wow. What do I do? Is this the life I want to spend? And Justin and I have had those thoughts so many times because we are so different, but we have chosen. So say you choose, okay, I just want to find somebody that lines up more with me. More power to you. Find someone that makes you happy. But for Justin and I, we both are into self-development. We're both into like, we are dedicated. We are loyal. And I'm not saying you're not, obviously, if you decide to like take a different path in your life. But we're like flawed in the way that we're loyal. And so we are like, we're just going to take this hard path and make it work. But I will tell you, it is work. Yeah, It is so much work. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you're miserable. Some like uh, Justin sometimes is like, what are we doing? And granted, yeah. this is few and farther between now because we know now that like we have this like rock solid foundation where we may not have when we were younger, but it, you can persevere if you find these differences. It's you just have to know that it's going to take a lot of work or you're going to have to ask yourself, is this how I want to spend the rest of my life? Yeah. And I want to point out, I want to go back real quick and say like, I'm not, I don't, and I know you're not saying this, but I don't want anyone to hear in that. If it's hard, cut it off. If no, there are and agreements, you definitely don't believe I'm, that. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is exactly, I want to, it's what you're saying. You want to find someone who is going to want to put in the work because mm-hmm. it will take work. Every relationship takes work. Some may take more work than others. Some may take less work, but it requires effort on both people's part. And so each of you have to be committed to looking at yourself, owning your own crap, and trying to be the best version of yourself that you can be. Hallelujah. 100%. And I think that's what makes Justin and I, who are different, work. is the fact that we both want it to work and we put in the work. Yeah. So I know we're coming up on, on timeframes and, and, uh, and I know you got some stuff you need to do so we can, we can begin to wrap this episode up. Um, but is there anything that you had that you wanted to add or ask? Oh, she muted again. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) Why did I do that today twice? Okay. Um, okay. I just kind of want to circle back and why why are we talking about this today? So I want to like hit that home on this family of origin concept, why we're talking about this today. It's something that you, Chris has said this time and time again, but I do want to drive it home because I think it's really important. It's not necessarily about your marriage or your wedding, or it's not about your wedding, but it's about your own personal growth, your spouse's personal growth and how this can only elevate your relationship when you're honest with yourself. Yes. And that's the hard part is it's, it's always really the denial or I also kind of thought about this earlier. There was this really hard time 
in my early 20s where I started going to therapy. And in those therapy sessions, I remember now, looking back older, my therapist would ask me these questions about my parents. And I just kept remember feeling like she was attacking my parents. And I didn't Mm. understand at the time why. I'm like, I love my parents. My parents can do no wrong. They are my parents. And they raised me well. Look, I mean, I'm a good person with a good heart. What is wrong? And so I think now looking back at this and knowing this family of origin concept, I can feel less annoyed that my therapist was asking (laughs) me so many questions about my parents. And I felt that like she was attacking them because genuinely they're not intending to be this way. And something else that Chris and I haven't mentioned yet that I also think is really fascinating about this topic of family origin is that this, (laughs) how do you explain this so simply? This is a idea, research is behind this, that the experiences that you go through, your parents go through, and your grandparents and great-grandparents go through gets intertwined in your DNA. So it's not even that it's just psychological in your own brain and it lives in your brain. It, It goes down to a biological level. Biologically changes you. And so you pass this on, which is also why it's really a great thing to confront it so that you can try to make as many significant shifts as you can to alter your DNA. Like there's some, there's something behind how powerful the mind is that you can alter your DNA to some degree, which, whoa. Yeah. How powerful is that? And, and so I don't know if you guys remember at the beginning of the episode, I had mentioned this is a meaty topic. This is where we get into that. Like literally everything that we've kind of hit on is very surface level, very like, it, it's still deep. It's below the surface. It's actually not surface level. It is below the surface, but this can go so it's deep. It's just when you, scraping the surface of this topic. Like it, it, it can go so far back as to you realizing like, wow, my great grandfather was an alcoholic. My grandfather was an alcoholic. My dad was an alcoholic. And now I am really wrestling with this dependency upon alcohol. Like, it can go back and like to again, like to where your DNA is literally changed to where you can have dispositions towards certain behaviors, activities, thought processes, all of this stuff. Like when we say ingrained, we mean ingrained. Yeah. And you've, I mean, I've heard for a long time that uh, alcoholism is hereditary, but this is why alcoholism is hereditary yep. because your behaviors have changed the DNA for your future families and it can bleed three generations on and that was what I was listening to another podcast on this to just kind of like be more well-versed. This is more Chris's topic than my topic. He's kind of educating me in this whole realm, which I absolutely love. So I'm right there with you guys, but I did hear this podcast talking about how it is like research in the next 10 to 20 years is going to open our eyes to so many things that we never realized that like how pivotal our behavior mm-hmm. and the actions that we take are like Chris obviously mentioned alcoholism, which we know is hereditary and we've always kind of known that this is why, but also gambling is another thing. Abuse Ooh, is another thing. Yes. Anger is another situation. Um, that's like, this is where like falling into holes of depression and how that can, you can look at like mental illnesses throughout family members 
why do people get depressed? And then it's like, okay, what can I do to actively change this so I don't get depressed? Maybe potentially I can change this route or have an effect on this route for my kids and their kids, which again, more research is needed, but awareness is a powerful tool because it just, it brings something it basically makes awareness makes something aware. I know that sounds like so silly, but awareness makes you aware <laughs> of something that you didn't know was going on. And you have a, a you basically have the power to, am I going to do something about this or am I not going to do something about it? And so, yeah, all of those things, like this is where we talk about this rabbit hole goes deep. You can go super deep in this topic. And if you are someone that begins to uncover things, I would, I would advise you to do this. And if you, have this oh crap moment to where you realize something that's been buried in your subconscious that you didn't realize you have a realization about your parents or something that did or something that was done to you or just anything of that nature please do not try to work through that alone go have somebody that you trust yes seek seek help from a professional uh Mm -hmm. if you need to a counselor a therapist someone you know if you have someone in your life that is close to you a friend a family member that you can begin to work through it through maybe you just need to talk to them but if it's on the very serious nature side of things to where it is really affecting your mental health please 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 um reach out to a professional and schedule an appointment and have a conversation about this because we are not professionals. We are not equipped to help we're you with this. We're not experts no, in any way with this. we are not, but we're passionate about these topics and we're passionate about people becoming their best selves. And so we want to direct you to those people who could help you. But um, if this interests you, begin to, to dive deep and to dig into it. Um, the book that I read on this, and it, again, this is just one chapter in this book. It's not even what the whole book is about. It's called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by um, Pete Cesaro. And it is a book with Christian undertones. So if that's not your jam, you might want to avoid it. Um, but if that it does resonate with some of you, definitely reach out to it. Maybe we can link the other um, podcast that Ashley listened to in the show notes. I don't know if that's possible. If you can. Yeah, I can, I can work on making that happen. And the, the one I was listening to, it's like a six part overall. Oh, so that sounds like origin. it's pretty in depth. It goes really, really deep, a lot deeper than this, but we wanted this to obviously be relatable to you, spark an interest. Um, we've also are going to, in the show notes, have a, we'll link the book Chris talked about, the podcast that I'm making notes so I don't forget to do these things. But also, we are going to create a PDF for you, and we will link that so that way you can work through this with you. Chris, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes, I can. So basically, what we're going to do is, and this is just a very introductory exercise that you can begin to do because all of this stuff requires you to carve out time. Like, you can probably think a little bit about this when you're driving or something like that, but you probably really want to carve out like I'm going to intentionally take 30 minutes to think and sit down and process. Um, And you're probably going to want to ask your mom question and your dad questions. And if your grandparents are still with you, then asking them questions. Um, But it's simply going to be um, these four different boxes that have areas that you'll fill in. One of them is called your father. uh, The other one is mother. If you were raised by your aunt or your uncle or your grandmother or grandparent, whoever the male and female influence uh, caretaker were for you in your life you would fill their name in and then so let's say we're looking at the box father underneath it you would try to brainstorm as many messages received about life as you possibly could think of so first maybe one of them is don't be weak education is everything you must achieve to be loved 
Don't be sad. Things could be worse. Make a lot of money. Don't don't trust people. They'll hurt you. Those are all example of messages or things that you may have heard um, about. The next, and you would do that for you, your mother as well. The next thing that you would do is you would try to figure out any earthquake type events that happened in your family history. So these could be things like um, abuse, premature or sudden deaths in your family, divorces, shameful secrets revealed, anything that changed the landscape of your life or your family's life, that's what you would want to add in this box. And then you would look at the earthquakes that have happened in your life, maybe the messages and the messages that you received about life from your mother, your father, and you're going to try to make any parallels that you can to to basically come up with culmin, culmulate, culmulate, how do you say that word? Cumulative? Cumul- <laughs> cumulative. <laughs> I, I'm not sure if that was the one, but... Messages, basically messages that you've received about your life. Is, I don't know. Is it's cumulative the word? Cum, cumulative? Cumulative? Yeah, cumulative. C-U-M-U-L-A-T-I. <laughs> cumulative. <laughs> English is hard. <clears throat> I'm terrible with words and spelling and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, and then in that last box, it's going to be all of these different messages that you've received. And so they could be things like uh, realizations that you've had that you've basically internalized and so this is just an exercise with these boxes to help you get to help you get thinking i'm also going to link that list of of the 10 things that we covered also in that pdf so that you can have those and maybe you can begin to look okay are there any messages i received about money about sex about communication and they can just kind of give you a good starting point to begin to look at those yes and so we will make this we will link it in the pdf and what this is going to do for you is it is going to make you self-aware. It is going to make you and your spouse, hopefully, be able to sit down and be like, these are beliefs that I have. Are these beliefs that we want to carry on with our family? And this is how you're going to figure, or like try to figure it out. It's at least a tool to get you started. Yeah, for sure. 100%. 100. 100. How do you feel about this? This was a heavy one, man. It was. It was. I feel, I love the conversation. It is. And we've, we've always said we're going to be between an hour 15 and an hour 30. And, and there we are. Yeah, no, I feel it was a great conversation. I mean, I learned a lot. It was good conversation. It's always good conversation. And I really think that it will spark a lot of just inner work that can be done. But man, I'm just over here like ready for a good episode, like lighthearted episode. However, we that's that's not what we do here we 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 are here to yeah we are gonna dig we are gonna unearth things we are going to work on mental health that way we can have a emotionally healthy and thriving marriage faux show guys if you are enjoying uh enjoying if you are enjoying the podcast it would help us so much if you would go and rate the podcast uh subscribe to it if you would leave us a review If you want to participate in these polls that Ashley's doing, like today she read a bunch of answers from um, listeners that we have. Uh, If you want to go and participate in those and potentially have what you said read on the podcast, go and follow us at The Bridal Breakdown on Instagram. And uh, Ashley's really good about trying to stay engaged with our community, and we're really trying to do that to form a community. We don't want to just be another account that you follow that floods your feed with stuff that doesn't matter we really really are trying to be intentional with the content that we're creating so go follow us at the bridal breakdown you got anything else to add ashley i don't i'm just so excited seriously go follow us and come talk to me come talk (laughs) 
All right, y'all. We are out. I was about to say, we out. <laughs> we out. We out this thing. I was going to say a bad word. <laughs> no, like, we're all adults here. Yeah. Okay. See you later, everyone. Bye. Bye.